Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to The Less Stressed Life, all about making this your time to feel freaking awesome about your life, health, and happiness. This podcast of The Less Stressed Life is hosted by Krista Bigler. Krista is an integrative registered dietitian nutritionist who specializes in reducing food-related stress, inflammation, and symptoms of food sensitivities. She brings over a decade of nutrition expertise and playing with her food to the table. From coaching, teaching, writing, and work Working within a major food company to behind the scenes for a health celebrity. To learn more, visit lessstresslife.com. All right, today we have a special treat because Pat Flynn is with us. And some of us might be really excited about this. Yes, we know who Pat Flynn is. And then some might say, who is Pat Flynn? So, uh, just because of the way the audience is so let me tell you a little bit about Pat. Pat is a father, husband, and entrepreneur who lives and works in San Diego, California. He owns several successful online businesses and is a professional blogger, keynote speaker, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and host of the top-rated podcast, The Smart Passive Income Podcast, which has earned over 30 million downloads, multiple awards, and features in publications such as The New York Times and Forbes. He is also an advisor for Lead Pages and other companies in the digital marketing arena. So that's exciting stuff. Welcome, Pat. Thank you for having me, Krista. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's get a little bit of backstory because, of course, this is how people decide that they love you, right? And so I didn't actually (laughs) know this about you either until I saw you speak in March in California at a conference. And you um, were telling us about your job. You were an architect that lost his job and discovered you could make a business online by helping others with something you'd already done, right? Which was, I believe, a study guide for maybe those taking the certification exam. Am I kind of on point? Tell us. Give yeah, us a little you, you, point. you are on point. I mean, the interesting thing about my journey is I really just didn't know I was going to be doing this because I wanted to be an architect, a very successful architect. And I was doing everything I was supposed to do to do that. And then in 2008, with the recession, I got laid off and it was just one of the hardest moments of my life. I went through a mild state of depression. And just by chance, I listened to this podcast one day and I was introduced to this idea of online business. And actually, the podcast episode I had listened to was about a guy who was helping people pass the project management exam. And I remembered I took a a number of exams, many very difficult on my journey to become an architect. So I decided to hone in on one of them, become the guy who was going to teach people how to pass this exam. And in less than a year, I was able to build a six-figure business. Over $200,000 were made selling a 
$19.99 ebook online. And it was just an incredible life-changing thing for me because not only was I making more money doing that than I was in the architecture world, but the best part about it was that people who had taken the exam and passed as a result of my help were sending me thank you notes and messages and calling me by name and just like I was helping them get job promotions and uh, raises and the, cr the crazy part about that is like, you know, I have my fingerprint on several different buildings in this entire world, but nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know that as like the drafter and a job captain uh, related to those projects. But in this little tiny space, helping people pass a little tiny exam, I was like their hero. And it, that just to me was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So then from there, I started smartpassiveincome.com because not only was I generating all this money, but I was able to do it in a way where it didn't require my time exactly. I invested a lot of time and effort up front, but now even eight, nine, nine to 10 years later, that website, Green Exam Academy, is still up. Anybody at any time who's interested in passing that exam can go to that site, get the ebook, and as a result, my PayPal account grows. And it's just, it happens all automatically, and that's where the whole passive income thing comes from. And now I teach and I share everything that I had done to start not just that business, but multiple businesses. I share all that stuff publicly, including how much money you make and where it all comes from. And, you know, it's not always an up, up month. Sometimes it goes down and I talk about why, and I just have become this person who's become known as just the authentic, transparent guy who teaches people how to do online business without being scummy or making people feel like they need to take a bath afterwards. And so, you know, I'm just very blessed to be in this position. And, you know, I feel like I owe the world as much as me as possible because it's given me so much since my layoff. And I can attest to the fact that you are very authentic with all of your followers, but we'd be remiss to mention you, know, you gave really like a quick 30,000 view of foot view of that. So if, if that's the first time someone's really heard about passive income or, you know, utilizing your knowledge for um, the greater good, can you speak to a moment there? You know, was there a time at the beginning where you felt like, am I even qualified to do this? Like, can I do this? I feel <laughs> that a was little... a daily ritual for me was to, uh, to, to question the new path I was going down. I mean, my, I was getting, you know, from external forces, my parents and other friends, why don't you just get a regular job? Or my dad was like, go back to school. You know, this is a perfect time to get your master's degree. And you know, the sad part about that was he was right. But I would always go back to, well, why am, am I attracted to this anyway? And the reason was that because I had done everything right up to the moment I was let go. Uh, I had gotten great grades in school. I graduated at the top of my class at, uh, from Berkeley. I got into an amazing architecture firm. I was doing more than I was asked of, but even then I still got kicked out. And I made a decision after I got over that state of depression and decided to go down this route that I wanted my own failures to be my own fault. Um, I wanted control. I wanted you know my own destiny to be determined by the work that I do or don't do. And it was you know so every day though I would be challenged. Uh, how do I even build this website? Uh, I, I guess this is a sign I shouldn't even do this. Or, okay, I now understand that I need to write this book. How do I write this book? Oh, gosh, this is a sign that probably it's not something I should do. Even, even, even after my first sale, I remember my very first sale, it was 8.40 a.m. in the morning, and it was just the most incredible feeling. But even immediately after I saw that PayPal notification come in for my first ebook sale, was for like $18.13 because it was minus the PayPal fees. Uh, I started to doubt myself again, even after I made that first sale. What if this guy asked for a refund? What if he sues me because this information is bad? Like who am I to even become the expert on this? I didn't even get a perfect score on the exam. 
but it was because I was the one who was trying to help as many people as possible. I was getting very active on forums, just answering as many uh, questions as I could for people. People started to buy from me and started to trust me. And even though I wasn't perfect at the knowledge related to this exam, I was the one who was going to go out there and find all the information people needed. And so, yeah, I mean, every day I questioned myself, even with my business now, I've been doing this for nearly 10 years. When, when I try new things and I launch new courses, I always question myself, like, should I be the one doing this? Am I the right person? And what helps me move, moving forward now is two things. One, when I experience that sort of fear and that, re, uh, that resistance and that kind of weird feeling in my tummy, um, I have two kids, so I say tummy instead of stomach. Um, I, I know that that's a sign, right? That there's something amazing on the other end. That fear and that anxiety is a sign that I should move forward. That's just something amazing is on the other end of that. Um, but two, I look back at all the people I've been able to help and I look at all the thank you notes and I look at all the emails that I've gotten and I realize that if I don't push forward that there might be thank you notes that'll never happen, meaning people who are not being served. And that is always what drives me, serve first. And when you serve first, the results will come back your way. I That was like a whole gold nugget there. And I think that's, it's important to talk about that whole imposter syndrome and those feelings of self-doubt because that's where most people get sabotaged at the very beginning and just don't progress. If mm -hmm. we could somehow overcome that, then we all have this potential for aptitude for greatness. So let's talk. So you just mentioned thank you cards. And the reason I invited you here today was to talk about an elusive topic to me, which was meditation, more or less, but a little bit more than that. So when I saw you speak in March, we were in California and, and you were giving a presentation and you had pictures of your office and you kind of showed how you had a standing desk, you had a giant bulletin board full of thank you cards, and then you had this awesome couch um, where you said you do meditation. And I thought that was really bold that you put this, you carved out this space in your office. You made, you really were very intentional about that. So mm -hmm. tell me when that office remodel happened, how you decided, yes, that this, this is worthy of the space and what kind of was that, that point? And maybe you have to go back a few steps. Like how did you get into meditation to where you thought, oh, I'm going to put in a couch. <laughs> so tell us <laughs> about that process. Sure. I mean, it's really funny because I, I just mentioned that in passing. I, 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 I just pointed out the catch for just like a second. And it was so cool that you kind of remembered that. Um, when we moved into this new house that we're in now, it was kind of a, a, a clean blank canvas and I could create my office in any which way I wanted to. But even before that, I had gotten recently involved with meditation. Now, the interesting thing about meditation for me is that for years I had heard about meditation, especially from entrepreneurs and other people who were doing it and saying how great it was. But I always on the surface was like, I don't know if that's for me. Like, I don't want to sit cross-legged and put my fingers together like this and hum the whole time. Like that, I, that's a little bit too woo-woo for me. And I was just like, you know, very, you know, I, I, I didn't know. And that's, that's, you know, it was very kind of judgmental of me to think of it that way. But when I finally got involved, it really was something that changed my life. And the reason I got involved was because two of my heroes uh, were talking about it on a podcast. Uh, Tim Ferriss was one of them. And he mentioned that meditation was an incredibly important part of his life so much that he puts it into his morning ritual. Um, and then Hal Elrod was another one from the Miracle Morning who talked about it as well. And so I decided to give it a try, to really give it a shot and put my biases aside and try it. And the first thing I did was I used an app called Headspace, which is an app that has guided meditation with just this guy with this amazing voice who helps you kind of clear the traffic in your head. And the problem for me with that was like I felt great and relaxed after these sessions 
but I didn't know if it was working for me or not. I just had no data or I'm a very data driven kind of person. And this was to me the opposite of data is like meditation. But then my friend who understood that I was uh, trying to kind of work through meditation and discover really the power behind it, he gave me his Muse, M-U-S-E, and it's a tool. It's a it's an actual electronic device that you put on your head like a headband and it has four brain sensors on it and it connects to an app and the app and the brain sensor will tell you in short sessions that are anywhere between five to 12 minutes and you can even do one that's 20, but I always just meditate every day for, se- for, for seven minutes actually is the exact time. And what it does is you have your uh, headphones on, this is gonna sound really crazy, but you have the sensor on your head, you have the app open and then you have your headphones connected and you meditate for a session and when your brain is racing and you have all those thoughts in your head and it's just like mixed and jumbled, you start to hear crashing waves and loud wind and loud sounds. But the moment you start to calm down and the way that you do that, I mean the way that I do that is I focused on my, I focus and count my breathing. And when I just focus on that alone, you start to hear calm winds, the water just more trickly and it just sounds amazing and peaceful. And it shows you a graph after you're done with where you were kind of racing versus where you were calm and it starts to spit out all this data for you. And if you are calm for a certain amount of time, you get these like rewards and you can even hear those rewards because you start to hear birds chirping. That's like your sign that you're doing a great job. And it just became this thing that became a part of my daily ritual that I just, it is so important to me now because I've seen directly the results of what meditation has done for me. And what, what are those results? Those results are one, better focus when I am working. So I'm deeper into my work, I've noticed. Number two, I'm more creative. I'm thinking about things in a, just on a different level, it seems. But here's the most important one, number three, and that is I still get distracted. I think that that's the one thing that people struggle with is they're like, oh, I'm gonna try to get to a point where I'm never distracted with my work or I never lose focus. And that's like almost impossible. But here's the thing that meditation has done. I'm now able to get back into that flow state, into that focus much, much faster. And I don't think we all realize like how much we spend in transition time every day, meaning you wanna get into deep work and stay focused, but then you get distracted and then you kind of have to come back into it. Well, it, it might take 20 to 30 minutes sometimes to get back into that flow state. And if you get distracted again, it's just like it's gonna put, set you back even more. Now in just two to three minutes, I feel I can get back into that flow state and back to where I was. And with two kids in the house, I get distracted all the time. So that's become very um, very meaningful to me that I can do that. Uh, and it's helped with my bottom line and my results, obviously. So the space that was created in my office was very purposeful because I knew that meditation was gonna be an important part of my life and it still has been. I've been meditating for nearly two years straight every day now. Um, and I sometimes use the Muse now. I've, I've kind of graduated from it, but I definitely needed that to start. And now to have this space where I know I can go into and it just kind of puts me in a place where I know that that's what my role is there. And when I was building this office space, I knew that I, I wanted to have, and it's not very big either. I think it's like 13 by 13 in terms of square footage, but uh, it, it, it has very specific places for very specific jobs. There's a space in the corner where I go to specifically just plan. And that is away from my computers, away from my devices. I go there just to sit and I don't wanna get distracted with all the notifications. So that's why I have a planning space. And then I have a space in the middle where I go where I learn. I have a little TV in here that I connect uh, via Apple TV. And when I'm taking online courses, I sit on this desk and I watch. And then when I'm working on the computer, that's obviously in my computer and the podcast, I have a specific area for that. But then my meditation area, 
that is there for meditation, for relax, relaxation. Sometimes I visit that space when I'm in the middle of my work, when I'm just not in the flow and I need to get back into it much sooner and I'm just not able to do it. I go and I sit in that. Sometimes just sitting in that chair now and just breathing for a minute uh, de-stresses me and, and, and I can get right back into it. And it's also purposefully right next to all those thank you notes that you mentioned earlier because I think they're all connected. I mean, the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is to better serve my audience and I need to be con uh, connected in, with my internal thoughts and, and focus in order to do that. So it's all kind of right there and it was just nice to have that clean blank canvas where I can be like, okay, this is where I'm gonna do it. What would make my space best for my meditation? Um, and it's just a pe it just becomes a peaceful place and I think we all need something like that. I'm not saying you need to carve out in a, uh, in a room in your home, a place for meditation. But I think it's always nice to know you have a space that you go to to just de-stress your mind. And it it's just become just such an important part of the office now in my life, really. I have a lot of questions based on everything you just said there. So for one, you said you talked about the benefits, better focus, more creativity, and being able to get back into that flow state more easily, even though you have distractions. So my question is, because you saw these benefits from meditation, how long did it take you to notice these benefits? And you mentioned that you've been meditating for two years. However, was there a time before that where it was more intermittent? Did you notice? My question is, if you fall off of the meditation train, how long do you think before those benefits became unraveled? You know, how long mm. did the benefits last? Well, here's the thing. I, at the, at the start, you know, I gave myself some time. I wanted to have realistic expectations. So I figured, okay, when I start, I'm not gonna expect immediate results uh, today, <laughs> but I do hope to experience something as a result of the time that I'm spending doing this. And it was only about a week until I started to really notice. And it was just because I was being conscious about it, I think, that I started to see that I was having deeper focus. I was able to get out of those distracted moments into my flow state much quicker. So it was about a week. That's Had I ever gotten derailed? Yes. No, because this has become like breathing to me. I have to do this. And it's very simple to when you make it a priority in your life, anything really, when you make it a priority in your life, you're going to you're going to make it work. And so the nice thing now is the, the, the two nice things about meditation. One, it's free Two, I mean, the device isn't free, but once you get to know how to do it, it's, it's free. But no, number two, you could do it anywhere. So if I'm on a plane and I'm just, you know, have some time to kill, I'll just close my eyes for five minutes and start to hone in on my breathing and get into that state. And that is like a nap that I take during the day where I can just get recharged. Or if I am not driving, obviously, but if I'm somewhere where I just have a moment to myself, I do that. And it's just, I haven't missed a day because it's like eating. I, it's, it's, it's necessary for me to do that to become my best self. Right. So since you talked about Hal Elrod and we're familiar, um, listeners of this podcast are a little bit familiar with some of his tenets about his miracle morning. I know this is part of your morning ritual. It sounds like you use it as part of your morning ritual, but you also use it other times throughout the day. And what else is in the morning ritual? Or does the morning ritual ever get pushed to a different time of the day as well? Yeah, I mean, I don't follow his savers, which is just the acronyms for all the things that um, he says you can do for personal development. I don't do all of them at the same time. I try to do all of them every single day, but I, they're kind of sprinkled throughout my day. And that's one of his teachings is just like, hey, make it work for you with your life. Um, so in the morning, I'm meditating, I'm journaling, and I'm also exercising. Uh, but then also the the the, uh, the visualizations are there too, and the and the um, you know all those kinds of things. Uh, in in the middle of the day, a lot of times that's when my reading happens. 
uh, during lunch and whatnot. So yeah, a lot of, most of it happens in the morning for sure. Um, but yeah, the, the reading is important because you're learning from other people who have had these experiences in your life. But I think the other, the other one that I want to highlight really quick is the journaling. I do that in the morning, like I said, but I also practice a little bit at night before I go to bed too. I use a tool called, it's not a tool, it's a book, uh, a journal called the five minute journal which is really quick and easy to use, but it's so powerful in the morning. I write down the three things that I'm most thankful for in my life at that time, and it changes every single day, but just to start the day with gratification is huge. And then I talk about the three things I wanna accomplish, and then at the end of the night, on my nightstand, you know, which is where I put it after I'm done uh, so that I'll make sure to do it, and I, I write down three amazing things that happened during the day and one thing I could have done better to improve. And just that practice alone, in less than five minutes, it's just it's just made a, a massive impact. So all these things don't take very much time, but I've made them a priority, and that's why they're working. Would you say that you added these different pieces one by one? Were you doing the journaling um, religiously before you started meditating? What came first, the meditation or the egg? <laughs> <laughs> um, they've definitely happened kind of piece by piece. I think it's tough when you see something like how Elrod's strategy that incorporates all these new things in your life or things that may be new all at the same time. It's it's going to be too much of a change. I always recommend to people, if you're going to make a change, start by just a little bit of change, you know, and this is what I always recommend to people who are teaching. You know, if you want to change somebody's life, start by changing their day first. And so the same thing with your own life. You want If you want to change your life, start by changing your day. And if you want to change your day, start by changing one habit first, and then things will start to snowball from there. Love it. So why did you land on seven minutes? Is that your lucky number two? That is a lucky number of mine. But um, it's also just, I found to be uh, optimal time for me to get enough meditation time in without taking too much time away. Because I'm, I'm a busy guy. I got things to do and I got two kids to take care of and a wife to keep happy. So um, it takes time. And uh, seven minutes just seems to be optimal. There's also the three and five minute options within this app too. Um, but just seven over time, I've figured and just notice it's it's the best time for me. Yeah, everyone will run out and buy Muse now, which I'd heard of actually all these applications, but kind of start, stop, start, stop. I like the right. idea of the data. I'm kind of a data-driven person as well. I like to be able to see that difference. And I think the big question possibly that some people might have, there's a lot of parents here, and I know you have two kids. Your daughter's five and your son is a little bit older, right? How old is he? Mm -hmm. He's seven. So they're capable of understanding daddy's got this going on. But, you know, for people with younger kids, what's your advice to them for, because it's just distraction central sometimes when your kids are around <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it gets easier as they're older, but you know, what advice do you have for those people? Yeah, for me, it's, it's all about communication with the family, especially with my wife. If I'm in the office and something is really important, um, you know, I'm telling my wife that that's happening so that she can make sure the kids are, you know, distracted uh, and, and having fun elsewhere. But at the same time, I also get my kids involved. I'm, I'm inviting them in the office all the time when it's not something where I need to be by myself. And they're pushing the buttons and they're turning things, which I know a lot of parents are like, don't touch those things, but I want my kids to touch and I want my kids to be involved in this. We're actually behind the microphone recording just fun little podcasts together just for our own purposes. And what I love about that is it's making it so that work seems like something that it's bringing us together versus with what it was for me when I was growing up with my parents, which is like, hey, work is something that takes my parents away from me. But now that I'm able to work from home and do these things together, I'm like inviting them in and making them see like this is something that actually can bring us closer together and that, you know, entrepreneurship and serving other people is, is a great thing that just makes everybody happy. So, you know, the, just, and, and if you have especially very, very young kids, I know it's gonna be really tough. It was tough for my wife and I 
to just do anything, it seemed, other than parent. Um, I worked really hard to, A, optimize my sleep, <laughs> and I know we could probably do a whole other episode about that, um, but I optimized my sleep so that I, I could potentially sleep less hours but get better quality sleep. So I sleep about six hours a day, which opens up, obviously, a lot of time, and I would do my work initially after the kids are down. Uh, that, that's, I wouldn't try to fight it in the beginning. I wouldn't mix work time with parenting time. Um, I would always only get work done after they were asleep, while they were napping or in the front of the day um, in the mornings before they woke up. And that was really driving for me because I, I had a deadline. When the kids woke up, uh, that's when my work was done. So that forced me to become very efficient and optimal with my time. Yeah, you had to be more productive. You wish you had meditation in your life at that time more so. Oh, I wish I started. I mean, the coolest thing about the school my kids go in and, uh, are going to is they teach things like what we're talking about. They teach meditation. They do meditation time. They do journaling to start the day at school. It's just really cool. It's a STEM school that's kind of experimental, very entrepreneurial based in how they teach. And it's just something that's uh, really, really cool. And I, I encourage, even if your schools don't do this, um, to teach it to your kids because like, it's just amazing to have these skills that are going to help you later in life. And I only wish I started when I was younger. Yeah, I love that. I did see an article once about how uh, schools were doing meditation instead of I think detention. I'm not sure if it was the exact um, replacement, but it was pretty cool. So last, yeah, awesome. last question about, um, this is kind of the, the, everyone gets this question about, you know, what's your gut reaction? What are your final thoughts? You would tell someone listening right now that's sort of opening their mind to this mindfulness idea to meditation, but has that whole stereotype of the ooms and the ahs. You know, you told us how you started meditation, um, baby steps, but do you have any other take home points for people. Yeah, I mean, it, just try it, honestly. Just try it, you, you know, don't knock it till you try it kind of thing. Um, I thought the same exact thing, and when I finally started to practice it, uh, I started to see those immediate results. And, you know, if you are in a place in life where you can't find five minutes to do this, something needs to change, right? Like, if you can't five, find five minutes to, 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 to work on your personal development and having a clear mind, well, then that's that's insane. I mean, we, we should be able to have five minutes. And I think what's interesting is it kind of has a snowball effect where when you practice this, you'll start to open up more time because you'll be more clear with what's important and what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, um, and, and just, just give it a shot. And really, it's something you can do on your own. I know some people are kind of gun shy about it because it's like they don't want to be noticed. And it's not about the oohs and ums. It's just about and it's not about having total clear thoughts. That was another myth. I was like, I thought you were supposed to empty your brain completely. No, you're always going to be focusing on something. But focusing on one thing for a longer period of time is really that muscle building that you're doing versus, um, you know, all the thoughts that we have in our head at the same time mixing and not doing us any good. Perfect. Love that analogy of comparing it to a muscle. It's something you have to work on in order for it to uh, grow. And then it's also something that uh, if you don't work on, it will kind of dissipate or atrophy. Uh, yeah. So where can people find and connect with you online? You can find me at smartpassiveincome.com or at Pat Flynn on most uh, social media channels. Excellent. Thanks so much today for your time, Pat. Hopefully we'll get a picture of the meditation couch for the show notes.
For sure. All right. Sounds great. Thanks. All right. Thanks, everybody. Hey, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. I think the subscribe button is a lot like a boomerang. You throw it out there and good stuff comes back to you. By the way, if you look down in the show notes, we've linked out to the blog that has a picture of Pat's meditation chair, not a couch. So there is a couch in the office. I don't know why he didn't correct me, but it's actually a chair and it kind of has the whole setup. And I also go over some other neurofeedback devices besides the Muse and what when I added to my practice to loan out to clients. So you can find out a little bit more about that by clicking in the show notes and I tell you all about uh, those options. All right, we'll see you back here soon. 